A Peta ad is banned and Viva vow to use more shock tactics. Are we entering a new era of animal advocacy? A decision on the proposed Norfolk mega farm pulls nearer. Vegan cheese goes up a level. And animal rights trumps religious custom in the European Court of Rights. Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Anthony. And I'm Julie. And this is episode 41 of Vegan Week. Welcome to episode 41 of Vegan Week. We're here once again to look at the week's vegan and animal rights news, discussing the issues that really matter, continuing to broaden our horizons and keep on learning. Yes, indeed. And we're delighted to be doing so in partnership with the 100% vegan business Fire and Flow Coffee. If you love great coffee, want to spend your money with vegan businesses and love a cheeky discount, head over to fireandflowcoffee.co.uk Enter Falafel10, that's Falafel10, at the checkout and you will get 10% off your order. Right, let's get on with it. Enough of the falafel, it's vegan news time. Bring it on. So, as always, we're going to whiz through about a dozen stories super quick. And then afterwards, we'll pick a couple of these to examine in a bit more detail, including our main story for the week, the controversial tactics of PETA and Viva that have made the news. Indeed. So let's start off with news directly affecting non-human animals right now. A United Nations State of the World's Migratory Species report revealed on Monday that more than a fifth of the world's migratory animals are at risk of extinction due to climate change and human exploitation. According to the report, human activities have placed unsustainable pressures on these animals. Hunting, fishing and other forms of human exploitation affect 70% of the animals listed by the UN. In more promising news, Miami Seaquarium is reported to be behind with the rent and eviction proceedings have begun. The aquarium has been in a battle for its survival against, amongst other things, the weight of animal rights activists, federal inspectors, financial troubles and now the Miami-Dade Commission. Now in some follow-up from last week's show, Australia has finally started unloading thousands of sheep from the ship MV Bahija on Monday after the animals had nearly six weeks at sea. According to Australia's Agriculture Ministry, four cows and 60 sheep died on the ship since it departed at the beginning of January. However, undeterred by this latest travesty, the live animal export ship Jawan departed from Australia for the Jordanian port of Aqaba 11 days ago, and this one was carrying around 60,000 sheep. And finally, in response to our story about wild bears in Italy last week, we were speculating about whether similar issues happen in African wildlife reserves, for example. We can unfortunately report that indeed, this very week, an elephant escaped from South Africa's Kruger National Park on Saturday, and it was killed after being chased by locals from a neighbouring community. The Mpumalanga Tourism and Parks Agency stated that the elephant had to be euthanised after people chased him as the situation became difficult to control. Police were called in to manage the crowd and after the area was cleared of people, 
the elephant was killed. The Tourism and Parks Agency urged the community to avoid any wildlife entering Matsulu and to refrain from chasing animals. So really sad news there. More promising news on the campaigns front this week, as is demonstrated by our two main news stories for today. PETA have been urging Christians to go vegan for Lent in an ad that got banned in Liverpool, whilst Viva drove around London with a display featuring a hanging dog, cat and pig, much to the shock of the public. We'll cover more on these two stories later. In Norfolk, animal rights activists have crashed a council website with a coordinated campaign to bombard it with emails objecting to plans for a controversial mega farm. Several organisations are encouraging supporters to oppose proposals to create two industrial-scale farms in Methwold, which will house 870,000 chickens and 14,000 pigs. And in Spain, animal equality took a stand for 35 million chicks that are brutally killed annually by the Spanish egg industry. Their direct appeal to the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food demanded an immediate ban of the mass killing of male chicks in Spain, coupled with a series of proposed amendments to existing legislation. This legislation concerns testing for the sex of the little chicks while they're still in the eggs to prevent having to kill the male ones that are seen as you know excess and and useless to the industry oh that's interesting I've, I've not heard of that before in in any other country that that sounds quite pioneering or am i just really ignorant? germany do it germany do not gas or blend up their little male chicks they I do did not know that it's banned in germany but they they do this sexing business interesting In business news, a new plant-based cheese made from fermented legume milk claims to be pioneering the third wave of vegan cheese. It's it's so unfortunate how these things are phrased, isn't it? Like fermented legume milk really is not not doing the marketing any good. Stockeld Dreamery, a Swedish vegan dairy startup, has launched a fermented cheddar slice that could take the vegan cheese experience to the next level. Check it out on the link in the show notes. It looks very cheese-like and convincing. ePay, a division of Euronet, this week launched what it claims is the UK's first vegan gift card. Available in both physical and online formats, the gift card features a carefully curated selection of established vegan-friendly brands such as Honestly Tasty and Grubby. And finally, The Body Shop, which recently transitioned all of its products to be suitable for vegans, has collapsed into administration in the UK not necessarily linked, well, not linked at all, to be fair. The announcement comes less than three months after it was taken over by a private equity company in a move that puts more than 2,200 jobs at risk at the cosmetics chain. Uh, Now, the company Aurelius is the the German firm that bought the body shop for £207 million in November. They said that it had been unable to revive the fortunes of the business after poor trading over Christmas and New Year. Remarkably, as far as I can tell, no news agencies have said that this downturn in fortunes has been because it's now a vegan company. But um, who knows, they they might take that stance at, at some point. In legal news, 
a Danish court this week ruled that vegans are protected under Article 9 of the European Court of Human Rights. The Vegetarian Society of Denmark brought the case forward on behalf of a vegan family. The case had revolved around vegan children in public daycare institutions and their right to be able to eat vegan food. It followed a Danish kindergarten refusing to not only prepare vegan food for a small child, but also for their parents to send a vegan packed lunch with their daughter to daycare. I couldn't believe this when I was reading this. I had to read it two or three times to just uh-huh. double check I was getting it right. So they're saying not only will we not prepare your daughter's food, we won't even let her bring in food to eat. Like, is that, that's madness. Well, anyway, yeah. anyway, the, the Court of Human Rights has said that it's not allowed. So that's okay. In another win, Austria's administrative court have dismissed a case brought against plant-based seafood startup Revo Foods by the Vienna City Council. The lawsuit claimed that the company's Revo Salmon 100% plant-based with pea protein (laughs) I'm starting to laugh already might mislead customers into believing it contained actual fish. Revo Foods denied the allegation and the court rejected Vienna City Council's claim. Hurrah for common sense. I know, it's winning, isn't it? Well done, Europe. Yeah. Is there is there any crime like wasting court time? or? <laughs> well, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I assume yeah. that the, the uh, side that is losing the case is having to pay the other side's legal costs at, at the very least. That might make them just shut up in future. <laughs> Well, we're starting to see more of it, aren't we? There was a, there are a few stories we reported a few weeks ago that are, that are similarly just just caught saying, "No, this is ridiculous. Stop, stop arguing that people are getting confused or whatever. That they're, they're not like people can label things as plant based sausage. It's fine." <laughs> Next, <laughs> and finally, a European rights court upheld its ban on ritual animal slaughter. A mixed faith group of people and organisations brought the complaint to the European Court of Human Rights, arguing that Belgium's ban on ritual animal slaughter violated their religious freedom. However, Europe's top rights court upheld the ban on killing animals without first stunning them, finding on Tuesday that animal welfare could trump religious practice. In lifestyle news, a poll of 2,000 people, half of whom were vegan, has revealed that Birmingham is the easiest place in the UK to be vegan, apparently, with 63% of those questioned reported as pleased with the range of plant-based options on restaurant menus. And finally, in our only, quote, study of the week, Data has arisen that suggests that men who eat a plant-based diet exhibit better sexual health and a lower instance of erectile dysfunction. The research conducted by leading researchers NYU Grossman School of Medicine and Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health suggested that a diet emphasising fruits, vegetables, grains and nuts 
while limiting meat and dairy may significantly mitigate common complications experienced by prostate cancer patients such as erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. And who wouldn't want that? Well, yeah, quite, quite. Well, the thing is, surprise, surprise, cow's milk has a lot of hormones in it. Yeah. Naturally. But I mean, without anything getting added in or funny things they're given to eat or drugs or anything, because they are feeding calves and because they have just been pregnant... Yeah. There is a lot of hormones in that milk they are producing and it's not hormones that are good for us humans no, and they are no. carcinogenic. The, the, the whole marketing job that, say, the dairy industry, for example, does putting forward these things as natural products is so misleading because, yes, it's a naturally produced product, but it's a naturally produced product for a calf and that's that's not in the way in which it's being marketed is it but yes so boys (laughs) step away from the others indeed indeed for for more reasons than one Right, I made that 16 stories, Julie. That is a new enough of the falafel record for for news stories in one episode. Now, all of these stories can be read in more detail by following the links in our show notes. We've not got time to look at all of them in detail during the show, but we're going to break down a few now. Julie, which one of these stories caught your eye in particular this week? Well, I am going to give a shout out to the people who live in West Norfolk who are opposing the building of a mega farm down there. And really, mega is is the word here. It would, if it were built to the plans that the food producer would like, it would be the biggest in the UK and one of the largest in Western Europe. Really massive. 20 sheds with, as we said, early 870,000 chickens at one time and 14 buildings with 14,000 pigs at any one time. But loads going through because they're not there for long. So they're going through at an absolute rate of knots. So the food producer concerned is called Cranswick UK. And they've got a revenue of 2.3 billion a year. And they are operational mainly in the north of England. They only employ, and it sounds like a a big number, but actually for the scale of their operation, they employ 9,930 people. And they have this piece of land which is between two beautiful Norfolk villages. It's a former RAF base and it's got some pig buildings on it currently that are derelict. So they have plans lodged with West Norfolk Council to, you know, convert this into this mega farm. And PETA, Compassion and World Farming, Scrap Factory Farming and Four Paws UK are all on the case with this and all have petitions and advice for people who would like to oppose it. There is also a Facebook group 
called Cranswick PLC Processing Plant Objectors, which I've just joined and been made very welcome. And they're lovely people. <laughs> and they are really genning up and being really well informed on this issue. And they were on local news recently as well, doing a really good job of representing the case against this mega farm. There's certainly still a petition against this mega farm on the PETA website. I know because I've signed it myself. It's on their website under the Action Centre. We could put perhaps a link to that in the show notes. At the moment, what has happened is that Cranswick UK have put their plans to the council and they've been looked at by an independent body who've gone through them very thoroughly indeed and the plans have come back with some fails, some things that mean that they cannot be authorised as they stand. So they're now looking at a longer timescale. You know, they're giving more, given more time to submit plans that have been adjusted but the the big things that are missing from the plan are things like and it's quite kind of elementary I would have thought but they they haven't said how they're going to get rid of the waste for a start so there's going to be and just an enormous amount of poo as they hose down the floors as they clean out these sheds and things like that so getting rid of the waste They've not been clear about whether they're hatching eggs there or taking in day-old chicks. There's not any secure plans about how they're managing the air pollution side of things because of all the ammonia. There's just there's bits they've obviously just hoped they wouldn't have to be answerable on that they have missed out. So it you know it will be a huge polluter of that part of the world aside from the fact that it will be a living hell for the animals in there. There can be no argument that anything animal welfare-wise is going to improve by having such a big facility with so many animals on site at once. I I can't think of anything. Like a a lot of industries, you have like um, an economy of scale, so the bigger things are, the better things are. But this is just being driven by cost, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I could think of, and it it's obviously doesn't justify it at all, but with a facility that big, there might be sort of, I don't know, resident vets or people who could be, uh, it could afford to employ people who are specifically, quote, looking out for the animals. Obviously, not not to the degree that we would want because we, we don't want them to be there in the first place. But I, I, I couldn't see how this could be anything other than a degradation of standards for animals by, by this well, scaling up. Yes, and your optimism, I'm afraid, I don't share because they have several farms already, obviously, because they're a huge operation, and at least one of them has been undercover investigated by the organisation Open Cages. Because, again, similar to what we reported on a few weeks ago, they supply Morrisons and they were found to have these disgusting Franken chickens just in horrible, horrible conditions. Very different to how they present themselves on their website. They're, on their website, their pigs are outdoors. 
in sunshine with little houses and things like that. And likewise, their chickens look quite healthy and all the rest of it. So they are telling lies, as you might expect. And yes, they have been already investigated for having just disgusting conditions for their chickens. So yeah, they've got previous on that. Isn't it appalling how deceptive companies like this can be? Like if you were buying a house and you went on the website and it it, it showed things looking absolutely fantastic and then you turned up and it was an absolute squalid dump, like that just wouldn't be acceptable. But that, that shows how low our opinion of animals is as a society and as a culture, isn't it? That that basically there, there are no qualms about, like people will know that that it's not really like that, that they're seeing a marketing image of this and kind of going, oh yeah, that's what I want it to be like. Therefore I'm not, you know, I, I don't yeah, need to Yeah, but it's even further. more frightening in that because in the rhetoric on their website in two different places, they go on about their policy about, you know, not having confined animals and, they really make a big deal about their policy and yet the reality is completely different. The other thing that is quite sad is that Quorn have a a big outlet, but not an outlet, but it's a factory, I guess, Mm. um, very close by. And they are now saying that their operations are under threat from this development as well because of the whole pollution side of things. Because although their workers don't live on site, they spend long periods of time there and they're just thinking it's going to be just not the kind of environment that people will come to work in because of this mega farm on their doorstep. So that's sad if they put corn out of business. I don't suppose they'd worry about it if they did. Maybe that's their strategy, who knows? Shocking, absolutely shocking. The issue of pollution from these sorts of sites has been covered quite well by films like Cowspiracy and also The Smell of Money uh, that was released last year. But both of those have been based in the US, which is where I think um, a lot of us will associate these huge scale farms. I, I don't know that they are particularly commonplace in this country, but I guess that is the danger, isn't it? We've got over a thousand in the UK, apparently. Oh, really? I, I guess it depends how you... Yeah, you're... I couldn't... Well, I could not... When I read that figure earlier, I thought, how can that be? How can they fit even? They're so big. A thousand of them. But unless, you know, I've remembered that fact wrong, there, there appear to be a thousand already here, but not of the scale that this is. This is the biggest yet. This is absolutely enormous. Yeah. I, I yeah. hope the issue of pollution is something that can unite everybody, regardless of, of what people choose to eat, you know, local residents and environmental health agency, even yes. even carnists and, and people who think it's okay to exploit animals in a certain way could hopefully unite on that. Yes. But either way... Well, that's what the, the lovely people on Facebook have let me know. They said that... Due to the planning regulations, they cannot get anywhere on the basis of animal rights or animal welfare. They're purely going on the environmental impacts of this. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that that has to be the short-term strategy, you would have thought. I mean, longer term, of course, it's the, it's the desire for affordable animal products that is driving yeah. this, isn't yeah. it? If, if that desire for for cheap animal products goes away, then then probably sites like this 
do as well. But Well, I mean, I think in a way, even to step aside from the animal rights thing, which is hard for me to do, but I think Adam Couch is the name of the chief executive. I think he's missing a trick here. Because, although, I mean, who am I? I'm telling a blooming <laughs> billionaire how to run his business. But I did, actually, I wrote to Cranswick UK. I wrote to them just before this and just pointed out that if their planning application doesn't get approved, they might want to think about a different way of producing food and that you know, these microbial foods are all the rage and, and might be worth looking at. So I sent them a link, you know, to a different means of food production that I said, nobody's done this in the UK yet. You would be the first. Yeah, yeah. How good does that yeah. sound? So, because it's a bit archaic, isn't it? To be still doing the whole pigs and chickens stuff, I think, for them. I think they're better than that. Yeah, yeah, they are. Come on, guys. <laughs> yes, step up. <laughs> oh, good. For- 21st century and all that. So we'll just see what that brings. Good for you, anyway. Julie. Grassroots up. That's the way, isn't it? That's the way. Yeah. Anyway, Anthony, what about you? Which of those stories captured your attention over the others? Well, it's not often we have a legal section to our news, um, but we've covered three stories today. The first two of which, as you commented, just seem to be victories for common sense. You know, something that clearly says plant-based salmon and a a Danish kindergarten not letting a vegan child eat anything, regardless of who's prepared it. Like both of those seem to be like open and shut cases. Like I can't even believe they got to court. However, the third one really caught my interest and particularly with uh, the upcoming Christspiracy film that there's being a lot of hoo-ha about. I thought it was quite interesting. So this was the case of a, a coalition of Muslims and Jews turning to the European Court of Human Rights to argue their right for basically being able to kill animals without them being stunned beforehand. Again, the obvious caveat here is that uh, from a vegan perspective, there's no right way to kill an animal. However, this is what was being argued, that the case had already been, had initially been rejected when it was put, put to court. But this this group of, like I say, Muslims and Jews came together. I think it was they were separate cases initially, but they've kind of joined a coalition on this to try and appeal successfully. And from a you know animal well-being point of view, I suppose we could argue that a, a good outcome has been reached in that the appeals court, that the quote top European rights court, has has basically rejected the appeal as well. And this was, we've taken this story from the courthouse news service. So this is not, you know, from a vegan news source or anything like that. It's um, it's reasonably objective. I thought it was an interesting one because you've obviously got two protected belief systems, I guess. If we just take things from a UK perspective, I know this was featured in the European Union, but veganism is a protected characteristic as of course is religion. And I, I don't know about you, Julie, but I, I think anything where you've got opposing views or, or anything like that, you've kind of got to come down on the side of, well, where is the least harm being caused? And I, I was quite pleased to see that actually, yes, of course, people's right to religious freedom and, and, and belief systems should be protected, but actually, if it is infringing the rights of 
of somebody else, that, that body being a, an animal, then that should come first. So that that struck me as a good news story, but I, I don't know what your take on it was. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's. I'm sad to think that they're, whatever it is in their religion feels that, that it's followed more authentically if an animal is suffering you know, more as it died. I mean, even the process of getting stunned isn't, um, imagine, a pain-free or distress-free experience. So I yeah. I can't, I cannot get my head around why yeah. people would want that or choose that or what that is based on at all. I cannot get my head around that. And there's a lot of contradiction in this story in that the the reason this appeal has been rejected is because EU regulations require that animals be, quote, rendered insensible to pain before slaughter. So that's what the EU says. However, like that's not necessarily upheld in all cases. That's the legislation that they've based this decision on. However, this is just a region of Belgium that has banned this practice it's not across the whole of the EU, like it can still go on. So it's a case of they've got this law, but it's really not being upheld. It just happens to be the area of Flanders in Belgium that has challenged it and has got some backlash from, from different religious groups. So there's there's all sorts of contradiction. I, I, I guess I'm hopeful that things have come to a head in this way and that, you know, things like that can make the news, can get people talking and it can, I don't know, maybe it might... It might give courage to other regions, other city councils, district councils or whatever across the EU that are maybe wanting to do something like this, but are afraid of the backlash from religious groups. This may be as a precedent case for them to say, do you know what, push through with this if this is what you want to do for your local district because you've got the backing of the EU. Maybe I'm being rose-tinted, but that, that's my hope. I would like them not to kill any animals in any kind of way as part of their religion, but who am I to say? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I made my views um, quite clear when um, Kate and I were discussing this this Christspiracy coming up, because there, there obviously is a lot of, lot of animal suffering that can be linked back to religious practices and customs and traditions. And I think that's incontrovertible. How we go about arguing that point, I, I think, is is tricky. Um, and that, that there are going to be certain approaches that are more effective than others, or, or certainly certain approaches that could be particularly ineffective. And I'll be interested to see this this Christspiracy film that, that I, I think is coming out in cinemas next month. I've had a few adverts a, a, about it. But yeah, we should reserve judgment on that. But I thought, as things go, this is a potentially good story. So well yeah. done, the EU Court of Human Rights Appeals or whatever it's called. We need an EU Court of Animal Rights. That's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, well, now let's look at this week's main story. This week in the UK, two of the biggest animal advocacy charities ran provocative campaigns and got correspondingly strong responses. In the case of Peter, an advertising firm rejected their proposal to run a quote gentle and non-graphic advert in Liverpool, urging people to show compassion towards fish and other animals by not eating their flesh during Lent. In its justification for the rejection, the ad agency cited a risk for offence due to the link to religion 
and the reference to the Bible in this context. Yes, and in this same week that Viva drove a vehicle round central London displaying what appeared to be a dead cat, dog and pig hanging side by side from butcher hooks. The stunt saw the three displayed on the back of a lorry beneath a sign reading, Are you an animal lover? The cat and dog were marked as pets, but the pig was marked as animal. Yeah, and crucially for our discussion here, Viva went on to say that the stunt marked the start of a new wave of campaigning, which will use more provocative tactics to encourage people to go vegan. They stated that the protest's action's main aim was to evoke a powerful response from passers-by as they were confronted with the reality that the pigs they eat are very similar to their beloved pets. Now, Julie, before we discuss shock tactics in in vegan advocacy in in general, can I ask what you personally thought of these two campaigns? I mean, the PETA one wasn't even a campaign, was it? Because it didn't get off the ground for them. No. But I um, I think that, you know, I love PETA, first of all. Peter, I love you. I think you do great things. This was maybe not your greatest. So I think it's no harm that it didn't get to Liverpool. Probably the story about it not being shown, the billboard not going up, is doing you more favours than actually the billboard going up. I have a feeling it might be the same billboard that they have used for a number of years in Maryland in the States against an establishment they seem to have targeted a fair bit called Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And it was a picture of a fish and it says, I never lent you my flesh, go vegan. Do you know, we love all animal rights campaigning, anything that works We are sometimes a little bit wary of single issue campaigns. Mm. This is, it's not even just single issue, it's really niche. So I don't think it's any great loss, to be honest with you. And well, the reasons for it not kind of getting aired, if that's the right word for a billboard, risk for offence due to the link to religion. Well, you're allowed to mention religion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such it's, a job's worth response, isn't it? It's like, it I'm just going to I'm gonna put the phrase due to and offence yes. and risk. And then the rest of the sentence doesn't actually have to make sense. No, I know. So, yeah, it's not really been a big miss. Uh, Liverpool, you didn't miss very much. And as I say, the story's out there. That's the main thing. And maybe Jimmy's famous seafood got a bit of a break from that particular (laughs) billboard. They um, responded to PETA by bringing out T-shirts advertising their cafe or whatever the heck it is, writing on their T-shirts, people eating tasty animals. Right. You know, with PETA kind of the capital letters of it highlighted whatever Um, so yeah that's that's just the way yeah what about the viva uh campaign what did you think of that one again i think viva are great and i think they do really good stuff already and i'm delighted to hear they're ramping it up a little bit Mm -hmm. so shout out to them for that really support them and um i think it's julia Gillatly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I've seen her interviewed. She is fab. 
Anyway, this was kind of good. I would have done it slightly differently. Viva, if you're listening. <laughs> Full of the um, unsolicited advice this week. Absolutely. I'll be writing them an email later. Um, well, it, I think I just, I've got a question about why they made it a cuddly toy, cat and dog, and a real pig. Because I wouldn't have done it that way. They are they are making a difference between those animals that they say is the sort of hypocrisy that other people demonstrate. So if they're having a real dead pig, let's have a real dead cat and a real dead dog, and and say there is no difference between these animals and there's or should be no difference in their status, if you like. But they've kind of maybe what they've done is just too clever for me. But I think it makes them look like they were too scared to hang up a dead cat and a dead dog. I was going to say, that's that's the kind of obvious thought that pops into yeah. my head. Or where are they sourcing a dead cat or a dead dog from? Oh, that's easy. That is so, so easy. Go to any vet. Okay, so... Absolutely. Th- okay, yeah, so there it, are it's, a, it's a fear thing then. Getting put down in animal shelters and associated places, sadly huge numbers daily we know that because they can't find homes you know um so you can find cats and dogs anywhere i think that would have made the point better and the fact that they've written pet pet above the cat and dog and then animal above the pig well again i have a problem with that because um i don't use the word pet i don't like it Mm. and i don't view my the animals in my life as pets i don't refer to them as that but essentially some people do have pigs as pets and some people have dogs as animals. you know i mean it's interchangeable they're all animals and that's the point that they're trying to make so why not actually make the point that they're all animals if you love a dog and it's an animal here is a pig and it's an animal so yeah i'm I like the fact that they drove around with something shocking and they made people look and they made people think. So, yeah, shout out to them for that. But what did you think, Anthony? What's your take on it? I'd echo what you'd say about both organisations. Like, I admire both of them for what they do. Um, it's, it's difficult to comment on the Peter one in that it didn't necessarily make it, but I, I got the impression that they were doing what they seem to be doing a lot of, which is picking an area. It seems like they picked... Liverpool because it's it's hailed as like the most Catholic country uh, Catholic city in England mm. and they seem to be doing a lot of let's go to Grimsby and do an ad based on uh, fish let's go to the site of this such and such farm and do something on that I don't know how I feel about that I, I get the point I get that it's you know you're, you're you're trying to get more coverage make it more on the nose or what have you. I think having met people from, I know it wasn't in Grimsby, but like they have done this sort of thing in, you know, in Grimsby target the the local people and, and make a point about eating fish. I think it's pretty grim, pardon the pun, but living somewhere where animal agriculture is a mainstay of your income and the main source of jobs. I've I've had friends who live in Cleethorpes near Grimsby and they've worked in the fish factory and it's the only job they could get as a teenager and just it it being horrific. That kind of sits a little uncomfortable with me that like you could make that point anywhere, but you're you're going to that specific community. I don't think that's necessarily happened with this 
um, this Liverpool case. I don't think they're they're picking on Christians or picking on Catholics by doing it in Liverpool. But that's the only thing that I'm a bit like, eh, not sure about that. But otherwise, nice, you know, timely ad, I suppose. Viva, it, it's interesting about them becoming more provocative because I've always seen them as being just the right kind of provocative for my taste. And this is this is subjective, isn't it? Like one person's too far is another person's just right. And this this driving around animals thing was, ooh, I like the concept of saying, they've got this whole campaign that is, are you, are you really an animal lover? With the implication being, or are you just a pet lover? So I like the, the guise of that campaign. It, it, it definitely came across as more shocking than what they often do for me. I don't know if that's your your impression too, Julie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's We've got to do what's most effective, really, haven't we? And probably probably that is a variety of approaches because we're, we're talking to a variety of different people. Would you say that we need to... We need to have different organisations advocating in a variety of different ways. Or is it a case that we should all be, we should all be being really provocative in your face, bam, 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 bam? No, I think the variety definitely just... Yeah. Because everybody's at different stages. Yes. And are of different ages and backgrounds. Definitely a variety of approaches, um, I think, is going to be the most effective. I think so too. And that's why it kind of raised my eyebrows in that kind of on the Antoniometer, like Viva was always just right. And if I had to kind of, you know, rank different animal advocates for how they do things, I, I would have put them above Peter in that in my mind anyway, because I, Peter sometimes for my taste can take things a bit too far, but I, I'd never had that feeling about Viva. Whereas this one, I don't know to what extent it was a little bit gratuitous. Does that make any sense? Like, it's kind of like a cathartic, ha, I told you, I told you you didn't really love animals. Look, and I'm going to shock you with this dead pig and and and, yeah. and prove that I'm right. Maybe I'm being cynical and unfair there because, you know, you, you have got to get people's attention to get your message across. I don't know whether yeah. it just drifted into that. We're going to do this just to capture people's reactions. I don't know if you saw the video, Julie, but like... I did, I did. And it struck me, I think I'm right in saying that the pig who is hanging has been treated in the way that would be happening within a kind of slaughter environment in that it has been eviscerated. And it might just be a practical thing for them having driving around with it hanging or whatever. But it's it the, the cat and the dog, obviously because they're toys, have not been but the pig has been eviscerated and I've really felt, and again, I think I say this every week about something we talk about, but I think if I didn't cry, I felt really close to crying, looking at it. Mm -hmm. And if I was a meat eater, I think that would have been quite effective just seeing the pig like that, Mm. actually. So yeah, I think sometimes you have to give people a wee bit of a jolt. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's a delicate one though, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like we don't have to go too far beyond the the line or the limit for people to just shut down or for people to go into denial or to become really defensive or, or what have you. It's it's got to be really just right, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that was okay. I think for the people who are out there who are looking at pieces of a killed pig 
on their plate and in their fridge and all the rest of it, they're already looking at quite gory stuff and enjoying the sight of it. That's a so good this point. Is, you know what I mean? They're, it's not that different, but it's different enough that they're sort of forced to remember what that animal looked like when it was a bit, well, not completely whole, but mm. yeah, it just looks so sad and so vulnerable hanging like that, I think. That is something I would like to have a photograph of that and stick it on everybody's fridge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good little sound bite for the show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm all in favour of Viva trying different tactics. And I, th- I think probably as individuals, we'll go through phases, won't we, where we're kind of like, no, do you know what? I want to go real softly, softly at the moment because I feel like that's working for me and the people I'm talking to. And then we'll have other times where we're just like, oh, hang it all. Like I need, I, you know, I just need to get get out there and get the message out there and, and show a bit of anger, actually, because it's, mm-hmm. it's an emotive thing and we'll go through those mm-hmm. waves. And I think as an organisation that's trying to, advocate on behalf of animals that's their whole purpose of being isn't it like trying out different approaches not just assuming oh well we'll do it the way we've always done it but i i'd be sad if they kind of threw all caution to the wind and just started becoming really crass all the time with no tact because i think i i've really liked the way that they've done things in in the past they've kind of like i say they've they've not shied from the facts and they've not held back from from doing some quite controversial things. I mean, they did the whole killer yogurts advert. There was some, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a, a pun on Just Eat. It was like a food delivery advert that they did and someone ordered bacon and they turned up at the, the delivery person turned up at the door with a, a, an alive pig and a meat cleaver and was like, okay, you wanted bacon. Oh, yes, for you. I that, yeah. You know, so... Th- th- they are not averse to being controversial, but it, it, to me, it never felt gratuitous. And I just kind of worried that this like might, particularly because they're saying, oh, we're going to do lots more provocative. I think mm. for me, provocative can sometimes be a byword for cathartic. And I just want to shout at someone or I just want to say, you see, I've got all the answers. I'm right. You're wrong. And I, yeah. I don't think as a long term strategy, that's going to get us said anywhere right to them Anthony write them a <laughs> that's will. what I would do if I were I'll, you <laughs> I, will, I will give them some unsolicited advice Julie <laughs> no but in, in all seriousness like I, I don't think either of these things massively crosses a line like I think we're talking about different taste I don't mean taste to eat I obviously mean you know sensitivities in in taste and preference here and I think anyone or organisation putting themselves out there to advocate on behalf of animals, good good on you. Okay, well, time's getting on, so we'll bring the week's show to an end now. Do let us know your thoughts on what we've discussed, or indeed the stories we've touched on but not had time to dive into in more detail. Is there anything we've missed this week, or in fact got completely wrong? Let us know your opinions. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your thoughts on these or any other vegan or animal rights news stories out there. Get in touch with us by email at enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. We're also at Enough of the Falafel on Facebook, 
Instagram or TikTok where you can get little previews of the news that we're covering in each episode. Yes, indeed. And speaking of upcoming episodes, from Thursday morning onwards, you'll have access to the next episode of Vegan Talk, where myself and Julie will be answering your questions in our second ever listener mailbag special. Looking forward to that. Right, that's enough of the falafel for this week's vegan news. I've been Julie. And I've been Anthony. And this has been episode 41 of Vegan Week. This show is kindly sponsored by our friends at Fire and Flow Coffee Roasters. And they're such great people. They're offering all enough of the Falafel listeners a cheeky 10% off orders on their online store when using the code FALAFEL10. That's FALAFEL, the number 10. Fire and Flow, a specialty coffee roastery based in the Cotswold with a fully vegan coffee shop on site. Yeah, they're a vegan founded company too. They're run by three friends, Shah, Callum and Phil, and they specialise in roasting and supplying wholesale coffee beans to coffee shops, restaurants, hotels and offices. For the wholesale part of their operations, they work with other businesses to help them get the most out of their coffee offering, with free barista training and full technical support included. The products themselves are the result of their passion for working with skilled and ethical-minded farmers who produce the highest quality beans. Fire and Flow then roast them to perfection in small batches at their roastery in Sirencester, which you can visit at any time book onto one of their barista courses or roastery tours via their website fireandflowcoffee.co.uk While you're there, you can check out the beautiful, fully vegan coffee shop on site. I've been there myself. It's absolutely brilliant and it's open seven days a week from nine till three. The last time I went, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was glorious. It's just a fab place to hang out and feel good about life. Give them a follow on Instagram to get the latest at fireandflowcoffee. And for those online orders, remember the code exclusively for our brilliant Enough of the Falafel community. That is Falafel 10. 10 is 1 and 0. So Falafel 1, 0.